0: Hey everybody, this is Daniel Patrick and this is episode number 204 of the Mandolins and Beer podcast brought to you in part by my favorite website, The Mandolin Cafe. It's also brought to you in part by Acoustic Disc, where just last week they released Acoustic America. If you listened to the interview with David Grisman, you would have heard him talking about this, but on November 10th. The Musical Instrument Museum in Phoenix, Arizona, launched a special 10 month exhibition, Acoustic America, and it has 32 instruments from the Dog Collection. And this unique recording project was conceived by Dog as a musical companion to the wonderful celebration of the American made acoustic instruments and the folk and blues and bluesgrass musicians who played them. Check it out, it's available at acousticdisc.com. It's only fifteen dollars for twenty-one tracks. So thank you to Acoustic Disc. How is everybody doing? Hope you are doing okay, boy. This one was a real special treat to do. My guest this week was going to be just Billy Bright, who produced and played on the brand new Alan Mundy album Excelsior. But then when we were talking last week, when we were getting ready to do the interview, he's like, "You know, I feel like would you, you know, would be would you be opposed to having Alan part of this as well?" And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I would be honored." So I've got Billy and Alan, who both took the time to do this podcast. And this this album, we talk about it, obviously, during the podcast and and how uh, Alan feels about the mandolin. And I'll actually read the quote during the episode. But I just wanted to mention all the mandolin players that are on this recording because we don't get to every single track. And there's so many great players. Kim Warner, Billy Bright, Noah Jeffries, Emery Lester, Sam Bush, Paul Glass, and actually on one track, well, I don't want to give away. I don't want to give it away. It'll uh, come up during this episode here. Uh, Jeremy Chapman, Steve Smith, and Don Sternberg. So this thing is chock full of incredible mandolin players. And if you go to the uh, website below, I linked it uh, to to purchase this album, Uh, It has all the notes for each track. So little notes about the song, all the players, those things that we don't get with downloads anymore. So you can order the CD or you can order the MP3 copy all from the link in the description below. I also want to mention uh, I will be taking next week off for Thanksgiving and then uh, I will be in Nashville for a few days finishing up a recording project and then I think it'll be safe to talk about this recording project but uh, th- this, this session has been put off once before so I still don't want to spill the beans but I'm so excited for everybody to hear about this project. So, so let's get into this episode here but first let's get into the sponsors. Peghead Nation with Peghead Nation streaming video courses and mandolin, guitar, banjo, fiddle, dobro, ukulele, and bass you'll learn bluegrass, old time, and other styles from some of the most talented players and instructors in roots music. How about Sharon Gilchrist, Joe K. Walsh, Mike Compton, John Reichman, Aaron Weinstein, Marla Feibish, and Chad Manning? Oh, yeah, and Ian Curry as well. That's right, from beginner stuff all the way up to the uh, cool Shoro music. The courses include high-quality multi-angle video lessons, downloadable notation and tab play-along tracks, and plenty of tunes and songs to play. Join any of Peghead Nation's video courses now and get your first month for free. Just go to PegheadNation.com and use that promo code MANDOLINBEAR, all one word, at checkout. Northfield Mandolins, let's build more than a mandolin together. Check out their website at northfieldmandolins.com or download their app at mandosummit.app for lots of special performance recordings, demonstrations, and special workshops. Ear Trumpet Labs, hand-built microphones from Portland, Oregon. Their mics are beautifully designed. They have great feedback rejection for live use. The most natural tone you'll find for acoustic instruments. You can check them out at eartrumpetlabs.com today. Ellis Mandolins handcrafted mandolins designed and built in austin texas tone slab picks you can get yourself a slab of tone i love mine you'll love yours just go to toneslabs.com today and look at all the shapes sizes that they have they can etch things on there for you they can do the bevels the way you like them head on over to tone slabs get yourself a slab of tone and my award-winning friends at Elderly Instruments. Elderly Instruments is your trusted source for new used and vintage fretted and stringed instruments. For the experienced beginner player, their vast selection of mandolins, guitars, banjos, ukuleles, and did I say mandolins? Includes all of the accessories and books to go with them. All instruments are inspected and set up for easy playability and their down-to-earth and knowledgeable staff are there to help. They're in their 51st year, they're family owned and operated, they ship worldwide, you can visit them anytime at elderly.com all right everybody thank you so much as always for tuning in just follow me if you don't already on the instagram the facebook uh like and leave a review if you haven't done so wherever you listen to these podcasts and have yourselves a fantastic thanksgiving weekend let's slide into this episode with uh, one of the tracks that kim warner plays on It's first track on this album i hope you enjoyed the podcast as much as i did cheers everybody Well, now it is my pleasure to uh, welcome back one person to the podcast, Billy Bright, and welcome for the first time, uh, banjo player extraordinaire. It's an honor to have you, Alan Mundy. How's, uh, how are you guys doing?
1: Great. Good to be here. Me too. Me too. Everything's fine on my end. Thank you.
0: Yeah, yeah. Great. It's a, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Now, for people who are listening to the podcast and going like, did he just say a Banjo player, um, yes. And I, most people will probably be familiar with you. You know, a lot of a lot of Sam Bush fans on here, and obviously, the incredible albums that you did way back when are just absolute classics. But this new album has got so much mandolin on it. It's it's so. Billy reached out to me to do the the podcast, and he was like, "Man, we should. What would you think about having Alan on as well?" So this is perfect. So thanks for doing it.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Glad to be here, and thanks to Billy for thinking of me.
0: Yeah, man. Well, so, so how are you? How are you doing, Billy?
2: Oh, I'm doing good. Just uh, keeping, trying to keep up with 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 life and everything else uh, around here, and um, <laughs> that's keeping me keeping me busy. <laughs> yeah,
0: I bet. I bet. Yeah. Now you, you, besides playing on this, you you played a pretty big role in the uh, production of this, right?
2: I did. I mean, I was, I was the producer, um, uh, which, uh, sort of entailed, uh, you know, helping Alan, uh, it was a lot of organizational stuff on my end of, of, of Alan's, uh, you know, overflowing cup of musical ideas. I, was I, I uh, mostly contributed in, um, helping get everything that Alan wanted on, on tape <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was my producer role for sure um
1: so uh yeah well he yeah. Cer- he certainly did a lot more than that but that was a large part of it for sure <laughs> <laughs>
2: i mean i would I, you know uh I, the producer role is so different on every project you know what i mean um i i wasn't uh orchestrating the songs so to speak um that was uh alan's Alan has a, a uncanny ability to um sort of uh envision the way he wants the tunes um uh you know before they um come to light, although you know i did he gave me a lot of creative uh input on it he he you know listens to everything i say <laughs> and, oh definitely, and we, definitely. <laughs> and we talk about stuff and he's willing to you know uh do the ideas and and um, we both had a lot of ideas and input, um, but I guess what I'm trying to say is that um, you know it was uh, trying to get this sort of mass- massive, massive um, compositional music project of of Alan's inspiration um, on tape. Well, you so did. Yes, I, I did it. Yes, we did it. It was it was quite an experience. It was it was awesome. It was an honor and a privilege to get to do that.
0: Yeah. Alan, in the notes here, you mentioned that only three tunes were done as as like live tracks, and the rest were some solo banjo ideas you
1: sent to the players. Yeah, basically, uh, uh, the three tunes that we recorded in the studio with the full band there were Holler Up a Possum, Five Fall Down, and Stay With Me Waltz. And they were recorded live in the studio, but all of the others Uh, I recorded just sitting in a room by myself, uh, either at Billy's studio. I did one tune out in New Mexico with Steve Smith in his studio. But in each of those cases, and one in Springfield here with uh, Jeremy Chapman, in each of those cases, basically I just sat by myself and played to a click track. And I might mention to the music in my head and my heart, uh, So it wasn't just me. Although I was playing by myself, I was playing with all the music I'd ever heard. You know, you can just sit. And you can, if you think about it, you can sit as a player and play accompaniment uh, to something uh, all by yourself. And uh, I used to have students, bass players, they'd say, I said, did you practice? Well, I don't have anybody to practice with. And I said, well, you've got the music in your head, <laughs> <Right>. you know, <laughs> and you can practice your bass, although it's just an accompaniment at this point uh, event, You can still imagine what the music would be. You can imagine going from the verse to the chorus. You can imagine, you know, just going from C to, to a F chord or whatever. You know, you can imagine what the music might be. So anyway... Uh, that's kind of what I said and did. I played what I could play on my solos, and then I imagined best I could what would be a good accompaniment for whatever I was going to go in that hole. So uh, it also points out to another thing is uh, all the musicians that those were sent to, how great a listener they were to listen to what I was doing, not only on my solo part, but in the accompaniment part. And I would suspect some of them maybe fashioned their solos in some ways to match what my backup uh, was suggesting, I'll say. So, I mean, it's, it's a, I'm going to use the word somewhat more mature uh, idea of playing than, you know, waiting f- to play with somebody to hear what they're going to do so you can respond. It's uh, just another kind of level of that
0: in In your wildest dreams ever when you first started playing, did you ever think like something like this would be uh, even possible where you could just like record your idea and get completely incredibly recorded responses back to you and then put them all together?
1: Well, of course not. I mean <laughs> this is uh, was impossible. I won't say impossible, but it would be very, very expensive and you know to back in the early days to and I've known people that would do it would ship you know, two inch reels of recording tape reels <laughs> yeah. around the country to get other people to play on them. So this is, uh, uh, you know, obviously a much time. And
2: having to deal with the chance of the tape machines being, you know,
1: uh, yeah, not calibrated. Out of calibration yeah. and, and
2: all that. Wow.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> uh, I don't, that's, why, that's
2: a commitment on a whole different level.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why, uh, I, when I was living in L.A. in the '70s, I flew up to uh, Seattle to do a session. You know, so that's how they did it back then: is they just flew the musicians around
0: if mm-hmm. they
1: could afford it. You know, or brought them in, or caught them when they were in town, and and did that. So, uh, no, no, it wouldn't have been thought of back then. And
0: I, I love, I, I want to read this this first portion here, the, the, the emails of, or the notes that Billy sent. It says, a word about all the mandolin players. I love the mandolin. It is as close to the perfect instrument as there is. Built as a melody playing instrument, it is unmatched in the plectrum world and it is unparalleled as a rhythm instrument. And I think that's amazing. And, and I guess my question first would be, as you guys got together... What was the inspiration for this album and to have so many incredible different mandolin players be part of it?
1: Well, if I I'll start and say, you know, Billy and I uh did two projects prior to this one together where it was just Billy and I. The first one was just the two of us and it, we called it uh, Bright Monday and we did a bunch of tunes and uh, I was listening to it just the other day and it's pretty pretty darn good, I'll say. You know, <laughs> it's great. I, yeah, I really uh, kind of like what we had going and the sound of it and the sensibility of it and whatnot. And then we did a second one called Es Me Suerte, where we added a bass. And, and part, I think, a response to uh, people who listened to it, maybe the music wasn't founded uh, or connected enough that they could feel what was going on exactly, you know, just even the harmony, harmony of a song. And so the bass kind of helped with that.
2: Where's the one?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, That old bugaboo. And, but on this one, uh, and I, you know, and I think I mentioned this to Billy, I don't think, I'm not promoting this as my last one, But it might be the next to last. You know, I don't know how much more I've got that I can play. But anyway, I wanted to certainly include Billy. And uh, rather than not uh, just be Billy and I again, uh, not that that's not good, Billy, (laughs) but, you know, to have him produce it and sort of go to to the... uh, press box level and look down on it rather than actually playing in the game all the time and uh, get a view of it. But I, I play uh, or see so many other Manlin players who are really fantastic players and just, and I like them and I like their music and I just like the idea of wanting to play music with them in some at some level. And so, uh, I asked Billy about it and he thought it was a good idea. uh, So we played on some tunes and then I had all these other Manlin players. And uh, also there are some uh, that the Manlin world might not be really aware of that I think are really great players. Uh, And I'll mention one, uh, Ron Pennington, who is a player here in the, I'm in Springfield, Missouri, and he's down in Arkansas, but He's been around for many, many years as a really great player, played with the Paul Atkins band years ago and other people that I'm kind of unaware with. He played with Ned Lubarecchi quite a bit, but he's uh, down there and he's in a band, really great, really great band called Lonesome Road. And I just wanted people to not that I'm, you know, the Ed Sullivan presenting all these people, but I, I just wanted him, I wanted him to be on there. You know, and Jeremy Chapman, who also lives here, uh, he's had a career of touring with the Chapman family, but is now sort of stationary. So I wanted people to hear them. And Kim Warner, who has traveled quite a bit, but he's sort of uh, anchored now in Austin. And uh, although he traveled with, uh, what is the singer-songwriter, Billy? Uh, oh, Robert Earl Keane. Robert Earl Keane. And... Uh, uh, he's done that, but you know, I just wanted to get some of these guys heard. Uh, you know, I wanted to I wanted to include them. That's it. And uh, I love all their playing, and I wish I could have gotten all the mandolin players I really love. And there are a lot, a lot of them that uh, I do. Like I said, I love the mandolin, uh, and admire it and love playing with mandolin players. And uh, a lot of times at jam sessions. Uh, we'll be waiting, and they'll wait for a guitar player, and I, we don't need to wait. I'm <laughs> wait for a guitar player. <laughs> you know, uh, let's play. So uh, I just like it, is all.
0: Well, I love it, and 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 both those guys, uh, their playing is incredible on this album. I mean, the whole album is so good, and uh, I do have to mention. I mean, Sam Bush's playing stands out. Like I, I can. I, if sam bush plays on like a country song on the radio not that i ever listen to it too much but if it ever comes on and i hear something i think i heard something one time by i think like darius rucker the guy from hootie and the blowfish but he's from around here and uh my god like, ah, sounds like sam bush playing and sure enough i looked it up and it was and
2: he oh, yeah. does not <laughs> does
0: not fail to disappoint on the tune here and and i love you gave him the only idea was to kind of play sort of a western guitar backup style on the a section
1: Was for for Byron and uh, Sam is in uh, spent time in that Texas contest fiddle world, and uh, so all I did was ask him to play sort of the Texas backup style on the guitar, uh, just through the A section. But he actually did it most of the way, and it was just really wonderful. And as to the sound, you never confuse Sam with. Uh, Uh, Matt Flinner or Sarah Hull and, and, or any of the, you know, you don't confuse Sam with anybody else. It's absolutely Sam Bush when he plays, which is really, uh, you know, a cool place to be. I think as good as he is when he, when he actually uh, plays. So, uh, yeah.
2: Yeah. uh, Yeah, that's absolutely correct. I mean, he stands out amongst all the other fantastic mandolin players and always has. Um, I wanted to point something out about the the question that got this this ball rolling, though, um, which is uh, in the sort of chronology of things. um, I mean, we did. Yes, we did a couple of duet records and we had done some other. I mean quite a bunch of work together down here in the Austin area when, when Alan lived down here, um, uh, recordings and gigs and whatnot. But, um, when the, uh, when the pandemic came along, we were in the process sort of, of, um, (coughs) Alan, Alan and I's recording process since I guess about 2011 or 12, had come down, had, had turned into the way our first CD project started was, um, Alan had suggested, why don't we get together? We had, we had two different or three different bands that we were playing in together at the time. And he suggested, why don't we get together and work on some duet stuff. And we started getting together just practically weekly. I mean, I was, we were both, we both had a busier traveling schedule at the time. So, you know, it would, sort of vary from week to week but the idea was we would get together weekly and just work on uh, teaching each other some of our songs and eventually we started recording them and and so on and so forth It kind of developed naturally and we took a couple years to do each of the records and it wasn't a there was no sort of a rush to it um, but when the pandemic came along we were sort of working on already on um doing a third project, um not really in a focused way, but just um we were kind of working on doing uh some uh some old tunes, not original tunes, um, but some old uh, fiddle and Monroe tunes and stuff like that, but working them up in a kind of, you know, uniquely duetty kind of way. But then the pandemic came along and and then during the pandemic, um, uh well you know we all weren't doing that kind of stuff but in addition (laughs) alan and his wife decided to relocate back to missouri from where they are here and at the same time is when alan got the steve won the steve or was was granted however the right way to say that is the steve martin banjo award and that would that it 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 bears mentioning that that is also sort of what uh, made this project different. In that, um, well, there was a budget, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and you know that's when Alan sort of approached me with the the updated idea of of doing an Alan Mundy record um, with uh, all these different different people, and I it kind of. I describe it as you know the the goal was to surround Alan in in, in mandolin hugs and yeah we had quite an extensive list of uh, it's it's hard to you know even when you cram two or three mandolin players on on a track it's hard to get everybody that you want even on a fifteen song album <laughs> so, yeah but yeah. anyway that 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 all played into the the um, how this you know concept uh, came along and, um, and yes, the Sam, the Sam to, to say something about the Sam, the Sam Bush, uh, thing, they, he and Alan had those two records from a long time ago. And, um, there, uh, I, I find they're, they're you know, Alan met Sam when Sam was, uh, like still in high school. And, right. um, and that was part of their, uh, you know Sam's really early stuff, the pre what led to New Grass Revival stuff, and um, the uh, the big connection there was, and and something that's that I think is well, I don't know about the big connection, but uh, like Alan mentioned, the Texas music uh, fiddling connection is um, was at that time. I mean, going to festivals and stuff, I don't think you ran into very many people who could play all those Texas fiddle tunes the way they were supposed to be played like Byron and Sam could, because they, you know, studied that stuff. And, um, and that's, that's something that, you know, for, for then for Alan to come along, who had been, Alan had been going along, um, hanging out with Byron and Byron's dad and their family going to fiddle contests and stuff and learning how to accompany them on the guitar and, um, and had been learning that you know tradition in his own in his own right and for alan to start incorporating that into the banjo and then you know (laughs) to to meet sam and these and other people that that was a i think i I think a big that struck a big chord uh with alan and 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 that's been a big part of alan's playing i think um compositionally especially Two is the texas fiddling music influence and some of the guys that are on this record like um dennis ludiker noah jeffries um uh those guys are, are from that uh you know texas fiddle world gig or two with Alan and Noah uh many years ago like a wedding or something and that you know that that Texas fiddle tune connection thing is (laughs) is is no joke and and um and that's uh I don't know where I'm going with that that's pretty much it but it's it's interesting I guess is yeah yeah
1: you know well you know as a musician all those connections are important You know, all those kinds of connections are important, Uh, not just about Texas fiddle, but about any aspect of your Mm -hmm. life. You know, you have somebody that turns you on to some something and you're connected with them at that level. And that connection is kind of always there, you know, that element of it. So, you know, it's it's just a real cool thing to uh, know all these players. I knew most of them. Uh, a couple of them I didn't know uh, well and uh, uh, but most of them I knew and I, sh- I should uh, you know because he's the last Manlin player on the record or on the CD uh, it doesn't get many times when I talk about the CD it runs out of time before you get to the 15th one but Don uh you know is a great mandolin player and i don't know how well known he is in the mandolin world i've certainly seen him at a number of camps where he's been teaching mandolin but he plays just a spectacular you know a really beautiful uh thing on this sort of uh low waltz that i do there called the untitled waltz got a beautiful sense of space and you know for banjo players yeah space is something you fill up uh, you know where Don has a re- is very very comfortable with leaving spaces and not playing until he has something he wants to play. you know so it's a, a different sensibility that he brings, which is re- on that one anyway that's really sweet. You oh, know. Yeah,
0: he's one of my favorites, favorite people, and favorite players. He He's definitely, sweet, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah such yeah. a nice guy to work with. Indeed, the amazing both. mandolin player,
1: yeah, all yeah. the above.
0: You know, it's great yeah. too because you know, when I always thought of jazz mandolin, you know, I'd always think of dog until I heard Don Sternberg, and then I just realized, oh, there's a definitely different styles of jazz mandolin, right. and, he's, he's, <laughs> right. he, and Don is just a monster. But. <laughs>
1: Right. Well, yeah. spe- speaking of that, you know, in the Manlin world, uh, there's, uh, it's not limited to this, but two elements or two schools, I'll say, of it is one comes from Jethro Burns, which is Don, where Don comes from. And the other end of it is the electric Manlin style of Tiny Moore, which is Paul Glass. Mm-hmm. Paul's, Paul's on yeah. it. And, uh Takes a really a much more tiny Moore esque kind of solo than uh, Don would play, you know. So it's cool to hear those two players on this. And uh, I'll f- mention one thing about Paul that I think is uh, on the recording that Paul is on that is every time I listen to it, I'm just really thrilled how it turned out. But I listen, I listen to other kinds of musics and. Uh, when somebody asks me what my favorite kind of music is, its I always say it's almost any kind of music that had a life in the 50s. Uh-huh. You know, so the bluegrass of the 1950s, I loved the country music of the 1950s, country style guitar, but also the jazz music of the 50s. And I remember hearing recordings of uh, guitarist Herb Ellis uh, would be playing with a vibraphone player and they would be playing the melody in unison. And it was just a really uh, sort of uh, luscious sound. So on this recording of this uh, Stay With Me Waltz, uh, I asked uh, Paul on his electric mandolin, to play the melody in unison with me and boy it really the banjo it just really thickens up the makes it a really different kind of sound in my to my ear anyway but then and he own- plays
2: it he plays it so exactly that unless you really know that he's there you just think it's the banjo it's really mind-boggling I know. how, <laughs> oh, man, how he tight was- he gets in there with what Alan's doing oh my gosh
1: amazing it was amazing and when we that's one of the tunes we recorded live and uh-huh. uh, so uh it was you know to hear it live in the studio uh was really special you know and inspired. yeah that was a neat yeah, yeah yeah and also also uh billy and uh kim warner uh, once again there was no guitar on there and it's a pretty chord rich uh melody and tune uh, And the mandolins, just two mandolins, you know, playing, either between playing rhythm chords or tremolos, really, in my mind, it's all the harmony you need. Uh, and certainly the banjo outlines the harmony, but anyway, it's a real, that's sort of the height of that uh, bright muntone. tone. Uh, sound you know the sound yeah because there's three mandolins two acoustic mandolins and electric mandolin and then Billy went back and added a mandola uh little line just to like three measures yeah (laughs) Yeah. Uh, it was
2: Alan Alan fed me the line and I and I and I I did my best to put it in the right place um (laughs) uh it uh You know, it it bears mentioning while we're mentioning this song that this, I don't know if you know this, Alan, but this song uh, has a connection to the Mandolins and Beer podcast (laughs) because um, when we were, well, this song, we, Alan had this, you know, he brought this song and, and we had messed around with it a little bit and at the same – around the same time, um, uh, Daniel had been in touch with with me and we had gotten – we had kind of arranged to do this. It was during the pandemic and, and Daniel had arranged some of these uh, live streams where he would come to he, – he did one in Nashville. He did one in Austin. Where else did you do one?
0: I think those are the only two I did because then Co- I was like – when I was in Austin and flew out there and saw the airport – yeah, it was still like twenty twenty, right? Uh, I was just like, whoa, yeah, what yeah. am I, what it am was, I doing? <laughs> it was yeah, it was September of twenty twenty or October. But
2: anyway, he he did these podcasts where he came out and uh and um uh or live streams where we came out and we got some mandolin players together. We did a live stream and then there was like, you know, people could send in donations basically to give a help help these mandolin players out that couldn't play any gigs at the time or whatever. So it was a very very thoughtful and fun thing to do because we got together you know so it was me and Daniel and Kim and Paul Glass and so um after we did that I was pretty enthused about some of the songs that we had uh uh you know just the experience in general and so so um in the back in the producer seat with Alan, I, I I threw out the idea of what about getting Kim and Paul glass to play on a song. So there you have it, Alan. It was, um, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, uh, mandolins and beer podcast connection on, on that song. <laughs> um,
0: that was a great, that was uh-huh. a great time. And just to, 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 to Paul, I don't know if I ever told you this Billy or not, but, um, you know, everybody's warming up where we get to the TV studio and, they're setting mics up, and Paul pulls me aside, and he says, "Hey, I'm, you know, I'm kind of out of practice, you know, so I might, might just skip, like when the solos come to me, just, you know, maybe I'll just, <laughs> I'll just have them pass me by." And I'm as I'm hearing him warm up, and I'm like, Ten, yeah. ten minutes before that, I'm in my I'm at my car getting something that I forgot, trying to think of a way to get out of it. As I'm hearing these three incredible players warm up, I'm like, "What, what, what am I thinking? Me playing with these guys?" And I said oh to Paul, my "I'm God. like, Paul, if I'm taking breaks, you'll be fine." <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> and of course he just blew it. He, everybody played so magnificently, and him, him no less. But I just thought it was awesome of this guy of his caliber saying like, ah, you know, I think maybe I'll just pass up some breaks. I'm like, that's, that's the inside of me all the time. So. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Oh yeah. Well, and
2: speaking of, you know, speaking of uh, stuff from the 1950s, that little Gibson, that little Gibson amp that he brought to the studio for that session was pretty, pretty rad. What he recorded that electric mandolin on um, for that tune was, um, was a really cool old, Cool old amp. It was, That's right. It was yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they have certain kinds of musicians have appreciation of sounds that are not as perfect as people nowadays might want them to be. You know, they are just yeah. uh, accept, accept, you know, sort of the sound of the bygone era uh, and comfortable with it.
0: You have Emery Lester on here, too. I've had Emery on the podcast. He's another incredible mandolin player that that I think, again, not as many people maybe necessarily know about because he's got a, a fantastic day job as well. But the people who know him, holy moly.
1: He lives yeah. in, in canada so he's sort of somewhat out of the normal loop of things that you might pick up in the in the states so yeah yeah but he comes from a real uh big bluegrass background his dad was a banjo player uh emory's from virginia and his dad was a banjo player there in bands and emory plays banjo and he's a good good banjo player for sure and but man is he's just plays this really pristine uh, technique, you know, and this, mm-hmm. uh, I don't even know, the man world may have words more than that for me, but it's just neat and really musical and sweet sounding and whatnot. But he, uh, again, he, I just sent him the track that I had recorded, which is what is on the CD. And everything you hear beyond that is his doing. Uh, and I, I I like, I would make suggestions, but they were real, I won't say vague, but they're, you know, if you want to play the melody, that's fine. If you want to play uh, a harmony part, that'd be great. Or if you just play what it sounds like to you, it should be, that's fine too. And so, uh, you know, I just kind of, and told him there'd be uh, in that particular one. There'd be two solos, and they're both his. And uh, so whatever he did was his idea of what that tune is. And with my playing, that's the beauty of of these people. When I talk about how well they listened, you know, they just didn't go on there and sort of play through some changes. I think they actually listened to what was there and tried to participate so i'm really grateful for all their
2: talent you, you probably they were probably nervous you know <laughs> um, <laughs> i mean you're yeah you, what so you go around you talk to people about alan mundy um uh, of course everybody talks about what a great um you know melodic and uh, melodic and and what a unique style he has that blends the scrug style and the melodic playing and how he's probably should be or is considered as one of the innovators of the melodic banjo style um, with Bill Keith. And but but the thing that people always mention about Alan that you don't hear him mention about a lot of other people necessarily is how spectacular his backup playing is um and so so when you get a when you get a uh uh a, a, a solo track of of alan backup playing in the mail that you got to come up with solos too it's kind of like Oh boy, here
0: we go. <laughs> a little daunting. Which is kind of the
2: way I felt when I got a, a Sam Bush track in the mail to put to put on this record that I was producing. I thought, oh boy, I better not tweak any of the wrong knobs on this one.
0: <laughs> man, I have to uh, give you a shout-on and you're playing on this album too, Billy. It is just killer. And on, I think it's track two, maybe, Lloyd's of Lubbock, where it gets, uh, gets pretty wild and out there too in all the best ways, man. <laughs>
2: was a really fun that was a really fun song to to do and you know uh the well you may not know but uh the there's drums on a couple of the songs on this album which i know alan's played with drummers before but as far as on alan mundy records it's a bit of a this whole record is a bit of a departure for um from what alan has put put forth on his uh, solo projects so far. Wouldn't you say, Alan?
1: Yes. Yes. Yes.
2: Yes. And, and so um, uh, the drums were not my idea. (laughs) You know, that was, that was Alan's idea. And um, um, I I mean, I helped facilitate it. And the, the engineer who um, who who mixed the record and who did a lot of the recording, and who recorded the live songs? and um I engineered like Alan's banjo and all the stuff that we recorded him solo at my house. But then Pat Mansky, who is an engineer that works at the uh, studio called The Zone up in Dripping Springs, Texas, which is where we mixed this and we mixed some of our other projects and I've just been working with with Pat and and Mike up at the Zone forever, but but Pat is also a great drummer, and he um, that's who played who played drums on this. But anyway, that that song, yeah, it was very it was a very fun uh, to do that song, and it ended up being like bass and drum, bass and drums, and like uh, uh, a crazy mandolin. Rhythm chop, um, stacked pattern thing as the rhythm pad for the tune, and then yeah, pedal steel solo, banjo solo, mandolin solo. It was it was fun. It was a a fun fun tune.
1: Yeah, uh, and I'll mention once again. This comes back to this idea of listening. Is uh, it's really cool in that uh, you know I play what I do the first a and b part and then lloyd comes in on the steel guitar to lloyd Maines, who's a great great player and a good buddy to all the musicians down there in the austin area uh and uh, he plays this solo which is pretty spectacular uh, and then it goes along and then billy come follows him and just flows right in out of the steel guitar but what got me was when it got to the b part uh the steel and I'm I'm guessing Billy put his part on after the steel was already there. And so... Hey. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, is that true? I can't re- I don't know. No, I can't remember either. Yeah. <laughs> but either, way, either way, they both listen to each other. And uh, Lloyd plays this really high... I'm going to say it's a, best my memory listening. It's just a single note. Uh, you know that he kind of slides way up. Well, Billy just takes that, and it's like he gets launched. Uh, plays this tremolo <laughs> and just slides way up there, and just it's like the steel and the mandolin just were uh, challenging each other to go higher. <laughs> you know, and so it's that's a fight you don't want to get in, especially no, with no, Maine, <laughs> but, but it, I yeah, right. it was real, real real cool to hear that sort of interplay that requires listening you know uh, yeah well yeah and, and, and responding you know,
2: in a general sense I'll tell you something that was really cool about this project um, from the seat that I was sitting in is um, seeing a bunch of these people who who a lot of them I've i've you know had the the fortune to work with a lot over the years some of the really amazing players like noah jeffries and dennis ludiker who i've worked a ton with around the austin area but um, and noah's solo solo on blue hole stroll is just just ridiculous um but the uh but you know seeing these guys and hearing from lloyd he was like oh yeah you know i You can tell Alan that I, you know, that was not the, I really had to, you know, dig in to we, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't wasn't just, I mean, a lot of, you know, there's, I guess what I'm trying to say is it was fun to see um, some guys really have to step up to the plate to be able to play some of these songs because, you know, it's a lot of the sessions that guys go into sometimes are, you know, uh, Playing solos for a for a vocalist, right? And you're playing a, a song that is not always as harmon harmonically intricate as some of these Alan Mundy <laughs> compositions. So, um, you know, it was it was amusing and um, and awesome, you know, because uh, everybody stepped up to the challenge. It was really 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 fun to to watch. Yeah,
1: yeah, that was cool. And uh, when Dennis came in. Uh, when he was out in the studio going through it, and uh, his wife was there, as you recall. Yeah. She... And she was, you know, and he was going, oh, let me try that again. No, no, that's not, right. let me try it again. And his wife said, you know, this is really cool to see Dennis work.
2: <laughs> yeah. She said, I've never seen him have a hard time with a song before. Yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, so I was thrilled.
2: That was a, that's a compliment right there, Alan.
0: (laughs) You know, though, you know, talking about harmonically complex songs and, and these tunes are, but you know, what is so beautiful about this recording is it that's, well, they are harmonically complex tunes. They don't, they're they're easy to listen to. They, uh, music and melody are the, are, are the number one part of this whole album. You know, yeah. and that's the that's a big problem, I think, with a lot of recordings with people who have the ability to put harmonically intricate songs together. Then they also have the ability to probably play like crazy over them. And sometimes that gets the better, I think, of some of the right. players and this album. Yeah. I mean, even when even when um, Lloyd and Billy are getting out, I mean, it's it it's just feels like it's part of the song. It never becomes like, whoa, that's way too crazy. It's just like, wow, they just took that melody to another place and then it all comes back. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, right. you know, yeah. What is...
2: Uh, well, I, I mean, Alan likes to say, I've heard Alan say many times, well, you know, if you can't think of anything else, you can always play the melody. Or is that a Chet Atkins quote? Or what is... It's what?
1: a... You know, it's actually our good buddy, Slim Ritchie. He says, oh, okay. When all else fails, play the melody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, and you know, when the when the melodies are well
2: written and interesting, that's, um, you know, to me, that's all I really want to want to do is riff on that. And I, I'm sure that that's, that I'm not the only one in this recording project who felt that way, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, something I'll like to say is I'm, uh, uh, I'll go ahead and say it. I'm 77. And, uh, so when I say the music of the fifties is, is what I like, it's kind of where I'm stuck. And, uh, there was a, a, sort of a sensibility then that music went a certain way, you know, it had a logic to it, you know, and all those pop songs from the early part of the last century, you know, the, the Gershwins and, uh, Cole Porter and those all, they were all very sensical. I'll say, uh, you know, they flowed from naturally from one place to the other. But, you know, bluegrass in the last, you know, bit uh, has gotten to where compositionally it's not as to my ear, and I'm not really uh, knocking anybody. I'm just telling the difference. Mine is more conventional uh, than a lot of the bluegrass, even though it sounds like it might not be. It truly is. I mean, I could explain it. Uh, So there is that element to it. And uh, I read a thing by uh, Alan Sheldon, who's a banjo, uh, good banjo picker. He he said, I don't like songs that have the chords that are all jammed up. (laughs) You know, yeah. uh, and and that they go in uh, a reasonable fashion. And so that just comes from, you know, he comes from the same era. I do, although he's an older uh, guy, but uh, it's the same, same as thing, so to speak. So I'm sort of stuck in that spot. And if you like it, that's great. Uh, and so that's all I'll drop it there no
0: you have a great point point. one of the things i i noticed especially on a couple of these tracks and it is that 50s that was that was that time when country music still like i you know people think of country music as simplistic music sometimes and you go back and listen to some of those things like where tiny moore played on them or you know oh man oh it's that stuff had so much hot playing going on but it all worked for the song you don't really realize how how complex it really is until you sit down and try to
1: work it out exactly exactly yeah
0: and i I hear a lot of that influence on this on this album
1: well you know just real quick since we're talking about that blue hole stroll uh, and i've talked to other people about it that would relate to it in this way but really What that is, it kind of, and I'm not saying it's a copy of anything, but it's like a Chet Atkins record, recording of a song, you know, just uh, nothing really hot and fancy, but always just really well done, well played, well thought out, uh, well performed, uh, and very uh, musically logical. So, So... And it's got, you know, that twin banjo part, which, uh, you know, you might have on a an arrangement of a Chet Atkins song. I don't know. It just has the sensibility to me, It's when I listen to it, of that kind of a production, you know. And uh, so that's all. That's just that. Uh, it's interesting
0: to hear you talk about that because it definitely comes through in the album and in in, in like the songwriting portions of it too again you know it's just so listenable like the parts add to the song it's not you know parts it's not anybody being selfish through this entire recording and and you you know and it's filled with some of the hottest players in this style of music <laughs> you know so it's a testament to even if you can play you know the hottest licks in the world to to have a group of people sit down and respect each one of the songs to make it about the song, I mean that's that's what makes a great album, and in my opinion, this album's filled with it.
1: Yeah, I think I think you've uh, I think you got it. You got that. Yeah, you that's know, a good, well put. Yeah, yeah, and it always would bother me. And as I say all these things, it's just in context of me. I'm not. Other people play other ways that are just as valid and and just as exciting, but I would hear a band or somebody play Sally Gooden. And at some point it would break down into a a jam, you know, and for me, I would go, I would say, I think Sally Gooden is better than that. You know, if you played Sally Gooden, like Byron Berline or like, you know, a real thoughtful oh. Texas style fiddle player, uh, it goes a certain, certain way and has certain elements to it and does not have other elements that come in when you just start jamming down. And I can appreciate that. You know, I can appreciate being able to play well over, you know, a limited set of chord changes. But uh, so sometimes the song is more, for me, is more important than the licks that you could put in on them. Uh, And it's about these players, they all listened well enough and played things that, uh, you know, were related to and inspired by the melody and the harmony of the song. They weren't exactly that, but they weren't just far out stuff. You know, it was thoughtful listening I, like I said, I've been saying all along. That's all. I'm
0: yeah, and and even you know even in the parts that really you know kind of get like you know like that uh, Lloyd's of Lubbock song. It, it's 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 like the song is taking it there. It's not because somebody just decided to take a left turn. It's like these yeah. small little builds where it was listening and listening, and each person was playing off of it and still keeping it in the context on context of the song. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It was you know and. Billy would always ask you know, when we would uh, do these tunes, what is the melody? You know, and he would whether he wanted to exactly play it or not, he wanted to know how the melody went so you would know what you could do and, you know, and sort of vary it but still be within the confines of the feeling, the sensibility of the song, of the tune. So... I, I, that's the kind of playing I like myself personally, but, uh, but not all the time. Well, Sometimes I like it wild and crazy. I don't like <laughs> that, but uh, I'm usually not the one doing it. <laughs>
2: well, I mean, it's like, I mean, there's this uh, kind of a, the more we go on in time with the influences of like, you know, the Grateful Dead and Bluegrass and, and, and and stuff like that. And there's this sort of like, uh, you know, people come into the music and from different places and, but the, there's this common thing about, about, um, and even like the, the most traditional, what used to be considered the most traditional bands that you would see at IBMA or whatever are doing this, like, jamming thing you do not want to call it jamming or whatever and you know or infusing some rock songs into it or or whatever it is um and you know my my viewpoint is that you know that's what bluegrass has always been (laughs) you know what i mean it's always been a jam music you know what i'm saying like yeah yeah i mean i mean there's this version of uh, there's this version of like bill monroe and and norman blake um playing like a, you mentioned Sally Gooden. There's this thing on YouTube somewhere of them playing Sally Gooden together for like 12 minutes, you know? And it's like, it's like psychedelic, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, it's like we can all relax and be sure that we're jamming, you know, cause we're jamming. That's, this is, you know, yeah. the jamming, the jamming is happening, whether we're, you know, worrying about it or not, or trying to check that box or not, you know?
1: <laughs>
0: right,
2: right. Yeah. um that's what it is
0: i i think the best thing that comes from that too is i would assume like the the people who become the best players in that style of music you know you might take advantage of being like oh we're just getting kind of weird now but the i the best players then go home and be like and, and think like oh, all right okay what i did was all right on sally good but i need to figure out you know where where was I losing it you know what I mean and and trying to yeah, take how does, it and how can I make it work to, next time
2: <laughs> yeah or how does Sally Gooden actually go <laughs> See, that's what I would always <laughs> be doing coming home from the jams going okay there's another song I need to learn how it actually goes yeah. you know yeah. Um, because yeah I mean if I'm really gonna jam a song I I better know the you know uh I can't can't play it's, it's, it's easier to play something other than the melody if I know the melody, right? <laughs> um, so, or it's at least something informed um, other than the melody. Um, but anyway. Um,
0: yeah. oh, not oh, to trash okay.
2: jamming or anything like no, that. No, not at
0: all. I love it.
1: No, 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 not at all. Not at all. It's, it's all just...
2: jamming.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, man, this album. This, you guys should both be so proud of of all the hard work that you guys put into this. And I mean, the songs are beautiful, Alan, and, and the work Billy that you did on the on the back end, along with your incredible playing. But the the fact of taking all these, I mean, you know, twelve of these songs weren't done in person, <laughs> you know. But you can't. If I wouldn't have read that in the liner notes, I would have never guessed that on any of the songs.
1: Awesome. Yeah, you know, while we're talking about this, we've uh, because he's not a mandolin or a banjo player or a fiddle player, is Dom Fisher on the bass uh, absolutely sort of added a tremendous amount to the songs, and uh, you know, with his sort of note choices that aren't weren't always, you know, just the root five, which those are important, but he would choose. Other notes and rhythmical things that kind of were once again he uh, heard in the song. You know, sort of developed from the performance of the players and the song. So he was very uh, important in all of this. Just the overall sound and and the unique sound of his bass and and uh, absolutely. Having- how Pat handled Pat Mansky, the engineer, who was yet another big part of it. You know, he had ideas that made big differences mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. sort of uh, aimed us in different directions and whatnot. And so, you know, it's it's uh, it's belongs to everybody. It
2: was a big team effort. It's always, oh, I think, probably the the best choice that either one of us made was to. Um, open up the open it up to everyone else's ideas and and listen to them.
1: <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely.
2: And take credit for them.
1: Uh, <laughs> <you know. laughs>
0: oh yeah, that was my idea. <laughs> well, everything you hear was written out by me meticulously. <laughs> I just shipped uh, them the music.
1: Yeah. <laughs> before we get away. Uh, we haven't mentioned Steve Smith, who's a, uh, a sort of out-of-the-way mandolin player down in New Mexico, but he's, uh, you know, a big-time mandolin player for sure, for sure, and uh, he got together, the group of players that you hear, or a few of them, that made a big difference on that Rabbits and the watermelon patch. different he had a different element in that recording so uh, but he was great great for sure
2: yeah he had a he had a pretty hard job in sort of like putting a band together and then recording that song and then sending it to us and then yeah he did he did more than than the uh than the, he did more than just play the mandolin on that. Yeah, he, yeah. yeah He, 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 you know, recorded the, the bass and the guitar and, and sort of, I guess, you know, um without being credited for it, in a sense, he produced those, that track. So now we're crediting it, crediting you for it now, Steve. Yeah. yeah. You are.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <clears throat> He's a great yeah, one uh, too, man. Yeah. Super nice guy. That's the, uh, yeah. It's a beautiful thing about this style of music. You know, I don't think I'd be able to do, a podcast like this in any other style of music because all of my favorite players and all the best players are so accessible and friendly along with talented and open-minded so you know it's just stuff like this this is incredible
1: yeah i like it a lot i think it turned out very well and uh and every element even the album does the cover design which i you know if people buy it as a download i don't know if they get it that that but i i like the whole layout of the uh cover and photograph and uh so it's a, a real fine a real meaningful project for me for sure i am going to link at the speaking
0: of um buying downloads i'm going to put a link here to the uh is it pax rack is that they are pat Pat, I can't. Uh, it's PX. Patuxet. Oh. Yes. Their website has all of these notes, which people don't get on the downloads anymore, but there's the stories about the songs and who plays on them. So I'll link that in the uh, description here so people can have access to all this information. Excellent. So, uh, Excellent. Excellent. Well, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. This has been an absolute pleasure.
1: Oh, thank you. Definitely.
0: Anytime, anytime. Well, that was an absolute pleasure. I want to thank Billy again for uh, just bringing bringing along the legend, Alan Mundy, to do this interview. That was, what a treat. So go out and buy this album. I have links below. And uh, thank you so much. You guys have a happy Thanksgiving. I'll talk to you all in two weeks. Cheers, everybody.